0: To our first service in 2019, our first Sunday school series in 2019, and the first lesson in this uh, new Sunday school series that we have. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we just praise you for the faithfulness that you've shown to Redemption Hill to bring us to the point where um, we can have a Sunday school. which seems like a small thing, but we know all that has gone into it, and the benefit that um, we can gain from studying your word together. Pray that you'd be with us this morning, that we would learn and grow and understand what your word has to say, that you would uh, be with me in the words that I say, and that you would give us uh, open ears to hear the truth from your word. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, so as you probably know, because you're here, you probably have been informed that we're starting a Sunday School series through the Old Testament, And that'll go on for the next six months or so, depending on how well we keep on track of what our plan is or how much we need to expand, which definitely could happen. But um, just a couple notes on the Sunday school class, and we've already deviated from this a little bit, but we're going to really try our hardest to start right at 9.30 and then end before 10.15. Um, And we're not doing that because I really like to be prompt and I'm a convergent about time, but just so that we don't interfere with um, the main service that starts at 1030. We want to prioritize that and not bleed into that and cause repercussions and not finish before we, uh, before our time to rent the building is up. So we want to be prompt, um, so we're going to try to do that as much as we can. And then second, uh, the class is called an Old Testament survey. So we're not going to be digging into each and every verse and each and every word and doing grammatical studies in the Hebrew Um, we're going to be surveying the books of the Bible. That means it's going to be an overview. It'll be a very high-level view. Um, People talk about the survey sometimes being like looking at something at 20,000 feet, where you're very high up, you get a big-picture view. And that's what most of the weeks are going to be like. Uh, The goal of the study is for you to know your Bible better and to have more tools to read and study and understand what you're reading through the Old Testament. Um, But we're not going to be exhaustive. Now, even though we're not going to be exhaustive, you should walk away from each lesson with some real information, some real truth uh, from the book that we're studying that day. So you should know the author of the book that we're studying. You should know the purpose of the book. You should know its main themes, the recipients, you know, who it was written for, um, the context, whether it be where geographically it was written to or what was going on in history, the reason it was written you should know how it fits in the big story of the Bible and how it fits in the big story of the Old Testament and when it was written and then what genre it is, whether it's poetry or history, whether it's giving of the law, whether it's prophecy, things like that. So we won't be able to go so in-depth that you know the meaning of every word in every verse, but you should be equipped with tools for your own study of the Bible so that when you come across Nahum, you say, okay, I know some information about this. I'm not totally blind. Why is this book in my Bible? You should know some information about it. So each week we'll consider either one book or a few books that go together, like First and Second Kings. They kind of naturally go together. Um, and then in the next two weeks, we're actually taking two weeks each for Genesis and Exodus. Just because they're so foundational. There's so much information in there that we don't want to kind of short information about creation or the patriarchal family of Abraham or the law or the exodus. We want to make sure we spend our time getting a good foundation. Um, and in that same spirit, today we're actually not getting into one specific book, but I'm doing an overview of the overview. So if if all of our surveys from here on out are going to be at like 20,000 feet, we're at like the International Space Station today, where you can see the entire world. You can't see any detail at all, but you can see, okay, there is a world there, and I can see the, the sphere, it's a circle, um, and hopefully this will give us a way to place all the information we're going to get over the next several weeks. Um, so this survey today should be helpful to see just how the books fit with each other, how they fit in the big story of the Bible, um, and just like surveying each individual book will give us categories and context to be able to place the information for each individual book, this should do that for the surveys themselves. Now, there's a, kind of two main parts that I want to go over in this lesson, and the first is to answer the question, why? Why study the Old Testament? And I think there are several reasons. One is just to understand the Bible. If we don't understand the Old Testament, we're not going to understand the Bible. Uh, a well-known preacher last year said that we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, that basically we need to disregard the Old Testament. And he later walked it back some and said what he really meant was we need to not focus on the law of the Old Testament, but instead focus on the grace of the New Testament. But even with that, he's showing that he has this underlying assumption that the New Testament has priority over the Old Testament, that it's better, and that if we need to leave the Old Testament behind, that's okay. But in reality, the Old Testament is at the same level as the New Testament. They're both revelation from God. We need the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. We can't understand the New Testament correctly without the Old because the New Testament authors had an in-depth knowledge of the Old Testament. They didn't say the things that they said without their knowledge of the Scripture at the time, which was the Old Testament. Um, There's one person who says there are as many as t- like 300 references, specific quotations uh, from the Old Testament in the New Testament, and as many as 600 allusions to the Old Testament. And I think I've heard somewhere that there are, it's something like an average of 14 references or allusions to the Old Testament in every single chapter of the New Testament, on average. So even if we don't know all the exacts, if we don't know exactly, Okay, are they quoting here? Are they alluding here? Is they have the Old Testament in mind? Even though we don't know all the exact numbers, we do know that when a New Testament author sat down to write these things, his mind was filled with the Old Testament. And so for us to understand the New Testament, we need to have the same mindset, where we're filled with knowledge of the Old Testament, so that we can also interpret and understand. And even more than that, not just understanding the New Testament, we need the Old Testament to understand God's plan of revelation, his whole story of the world. Because it's not all just included in the New Testament. There's a massive chunk that is in the Old. Now, I'll get to that in a second, but another reason to study the Old Testament is that we get a really unique picture of God that we can't see as clearly in the New Testament. What I mean by that is that in the New Testament, we have a great deal of clarity. It's very specific, very clear. It's like a snapshot. You can take time to consider the details. You can see it all in perfect focus. And that's because this side of Jesus, we can understand God in a new way. He's, he's been revealed truly in Jesus. In the Old Testament, it was written over a thousand years, and it covers history of several thousand years. The New Testament was written in a generation. It was written in 20 or 30 or 40 years. And it covers a time period that's just as, as small. So it's very focused, very dense, very clear. In the Old Testament, it's almost like a two-hour movie, where it's not as clear, maybe. Maybe it's an older movie. It's a little bit more grainy, maybe out of focus. But you get the, the benefit of time. You get to see something happen again and again and again. It's like in uh, 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, but is patient with you, it's one thing to see that in the New Testament, which is true and we can believe that, and it's helpful to have that so condensed. But it's another thing to read through the Old Testament over days and weeks and months and see God display his patience over and over and over again. Both are equally true and they're they're good representations of God's character, but sometimes it's helpful to look at the bigger picture of the Old Testament to see that character displayed in a different way to really seeing it proven out over and over again. So we studied the Old Testament to understand the Bible and then to see God's unique character, or see his character in that unique way. Um, but third, we also studied the Old Testament to understand why the world is the way it is. Like I said, there's a lot of information in the Old Testament that explains to us why things are the way they are. Um, The Old Testament tells us the story of creation. It tells us how we got here, that there is a sovereign God who put his hand into history and even started history, and that's why we're all here. The Old Testament tells the story of sin, and so it explains why our world is fallen, why it's broken, why there's sickness and strife between people, why things are not the way they are supposed to be. It explains that the God who ruled the world is still in control, that he is still reigning on the throne, and that our own corruption and creation is a result of our fall. but that there is a solution. The Old Testament is humanity's origin story. If there are any superhero fans out there, there's always an origin story for Spider-Man or Superman or Batman that explains why they are the way they are. The Old Testament contains humanity's origin story and it's a better origin story. It's also more sad because we get to see, you know, not just Bruce Wayne's parents die or Superman's planet blown up, but we get to see a good and perfect creation fall into sin and rebel against its creator. Without the Old Testament, we don't have the categories to understand that. We don't have the vocabulary to talk about that. We don't have the we have the maybe the the inklings of it with an unredeemed mind, without revelation from God. We maybe understand that there's something wrong, but the Old Testament gives us words to put to that feeling of wrongness, of brokenness, of that there is a higher being out there. There's a creator. So the Old Testament helps us see the world the way it really is. It gives us categories for that and explains it. It gives us vocabulary for talking about things like having a relationship with God. It gives us vocabulary for disobedience and understanding that disobedience leads to death. The Old Testament shows us that we have a need for atonement and it explains what atonement is. Now the New Testament helps us in the same way, but it does so in light of the truths in the Old Testament. The, the truths of the atonement at the cross wouldn't have the same meaning if we didn't understand what atonement was throughout the history of Israel in the Old Testament. Without understanding Adam and Eve's sin... In light of a holy creator, we don't understand the need for Jesus to come. We don't understand the significance that he came as a human um, and that he died on the cross. So we need the truths of the New Testament, but we also need the truths of the Old Testament to understand them correctly. And that brings us to the fourth reason to study the New Testament, and that is to introduce us to and set the stage for Jesus. We don't understand who Jesus is without reading the Old Testament, not fully, not completely. God promises a Redeemer in the third chapter of the Old Testament, right from the beginning. Directly after God creates the world, after humanity falls into sin and corrupts the world, instantly God says, even though you sinned, even though you disobeyed, I will give you hope. The beginning of the story points to Jesus coming as the Messiah, and all throughout the Old Testament, in the narratives, in the prophecies, in the Psalms, everywhere else, God reveals more and more about Jesus. As we saw in our brief series in Matthew 1 and 2, the first Christians, Matthew, the other apostles, even the Joseph and Mary, the recipients of the family of, of Jesus, they understood Jesus coming in light of the Old Testament. The Magi, these pagan magicians, they understood him in light of Old Testament revelation. And they understood it both in specific prophecies about him and just even in the context of the Old Testament narrative as a whole. We can see hints of Jesus all throughout scripture. We can see him reflected in uh, the story of Abraham trusting God enough to sacrifice his son Isaac only to receive the substitute of a goat at the last second. We can see him in the psalms of lament that foreshadowed Jesus' own suffering, that he quotes in the garden and on the cross. We can see him in the law, which reveals God's character and gives instructions for how to live, because Jesus does the same. He reveals God's character when he comes. He gives instructions for how to live when he comes. But Jesus does it better. Now, there is a qualifier here, because while Jesus is, we can see hints of Jesus in the Old Testament, it's true, the stories leading up to him, We want to avoid the pendulum swing of unhitching ourselves from the Old Testament to over-reading Jesus into the Old Testament. Because I do believe that the story is about him. It leads there. But we want to make sure that we're taking the Old Testament authors for their words, that we're not putting words in their mouth. Um, We want to read the Old Testament carefully, not force Jesus in everywhere that we think he could be. But we also want to give credit to the Old Testament authors that they were incredibly well-read. They knew their own scripture, and they did know about this promise of a Redeemer. They did understand that God was sending a person. Later, that that person would come from the line of Abraham. Later, that he would be a king from the line of Judah. That he would be from the line of David, specifically, and that he would reign forever. They knew about these promises, and they weren't writing in ignorance of the Messiah, so we want to give them credit and, and truly look for where the story points to Jesus, but we also don't want to overread Jesus back in in places where he's not. So there's a careful balance and tension that we want to see there. So why study the Old Testament? We do that to understand the Bible, to see God's character in a unique way, to understand the world around us, and to set the stage for Jesus in the New Testament. I think there's ample reasons to study the Old Testament and Quite often, the most time we spend in the Old Testament, or for some people at least, is when you start reading Genesis and Exodus and maybe the first chapter of Leviticus in your Bible reading plan, and then give up because Leviticus doesn't make any sense and doesn't connect with our world today. So hopefully that's enough reason for you guys to bear with it. I'm not asking you to read through the Bible with me, although that would be a, a great thing to do as we do this study. Um, I think you could keep pace with it as we go about a book a week, whether you read in preparation for it or read maybe the book after we go through the Sunday school. But that's not a requirement at all for this Sunday school. We're not giving you homework. Um, We want this to be a resource for you so that you can read the Old Testament better. We want to encourage you to, that you can understand it, that it is important, that it's going to impact your life in, in good ways if you can read and understand it. But it's definitely not an expectation, it's not, you're not going to get a grade for this class on how much you read of the Old Testament. So, but hopefully those reasons are enough for, to, to pique your interest. But now that we've looked at why we're going to study the Old Testament, why we would not unhitch ourselves from it and just go straight to Jesus in the New Testament, I also want to look at a couple aspects of our study of the Old Testament that should be helpful as we go into each book over the next several weeks and months. First, I want to just explain some of the history of the Old Testament. And this is really, we're like, we're out of Mars right now. We can barely see the earth because there's so many details I'd love to get into that I just can't. But when we talk about the history of the Old Testament, there's kind of two histories to keep in mind. One is the composition of the books of the Old Testament, the actual writing of the books. And the other is the history, the narrative that's contained in the books, the story that's told in them. The, when I was a kid, I don't know where I got this idea. I don't know, maybe this is a common idea, I'm not sure. But I, I didn't know anything about the composition of Scripture, and I just assumed that Moses was sitting there as, as these events were unfolding before him and was just writing them down. He's like, all right, chapter 39, all right, I think I'm going to end that. Chapter 40. And that's really not what happened. They're not sitting there watching the events unfold before them, recording it, and saying, all right, got another chapter of the Bible done. Sometimes they are recording history. Sometimes they're singing songs or writing songs, compiling a a hymn book. Sometimes they're creating books of wisdom or poetry. They are writing about the world. Maybe they're telling stories that are true but have a a point, a moral, an intention for its readers. And as they write these things, they later became tested and approved and accepted as revelation from God. Now, the, the composition of the Old Testament occurred over about a 1,000 years. Um, without exact dates, you could think of it from 1400 B.C. to 400 B.C. It's roughly when the Old Testament was compiled, from Moses recording some of the original events of creation and then the beginning of the nation of Israel, all the way to Malachi prophesying after the exile um, as the last revelation they received from God until Jesus himself came. So over a 1,000 years... With There's 39 books that we have in our Old Testament today that are recorded by dozens of authors. It's amazing that we have a unified theme, that we have a single intention, that they're all focused on this promise from God of a Savior, of what he's doing with this nation Israel. But even though there are many authors, many centuries involved in the compiling of the Old Testament... This is the revelation from God. It's unified. We believe that it's all true. And it, um, yeah, there's reason for us to study it. The, the majority of the Old Testament, the vast majority, was written in Hebrew. Uh, there's a couple chapters that are written in Aramaic. But it's written in Hebrew primarily because that's the language that people spoke. The, the Bible is not this um, scholarly work that only the best professional Um, professors can read it's a book that is for everyone and when the around 250 BC a couple hundred years after Malachi was recorded the Bible was translated into Greek because that's the language that people were speaking then and that's why we have our Bibles in English because that's what we in America speak so this Bible is is for us to read it's not something that's out of our ability to read It's truly for us, even in the language it's written in. But in that translation, the Greek translation in 250, we see a reference to the completed Old Testament, which tells us that at least by that point, there was a book, there was revelation from God, Scripture, that the people recognized. And that's what Jesus would have known. He would have known the Old Testament Scripture. That's what the apostles would have known. And so this... um, collection, this Old Testament, this the scripture, compiled from, you know, over about a thousand years, it tells a story that goes even beyond those thousand years. It tells the story going all the way back to creation, from the narrative of creation, through the first people, through the flood, through Abraham coming down in his family and then seeing the nation of Israel expand, and like I said, it's not just a reporter jotting down notes of what's happening in front of him, but it's authors who are telling true events, true stories, but they're shaping them in a very intentional way. Um, the Old Testament that we have in our Bibles is laid out generally chronologically. For the most part, it's chronological. But it's not exactly. There's some books that are out of order. And that's, it's not because they're in the wrong order. It's because they're set there intentionally. And you'll notice even within the books, some of the books spend a lot more time focusing on one person or one set of events than others. Like in Genesis, the narrative from Abraham to Joseph, which is four generations, there's 38 chapters that focus on that. That's maybe a couple hundred years. In, I think it's chapter 5, we get a genealogy from Adam to Noah, which is over a thousand years. There's a dozen generations there. That these people just get, you know, when this person was born, when he was this old, he had this son, and then he died after this many years. So they get like three verses, whereas the family of Abraham gets 38 chapters. That's because they're not trying to do justice to every single person in history and just tell their story. As these authors tell the true events of the Old Testament, they're doing it in a really intentional way. So as you notice things like that, pay attention to it. The, like I said, even though the Old Testament is true, it's not just a history book. These are really intentional stories that they're telling. But that, that's the history of the composition of the Old Testament, that over this thousand-year period, they're recording history, they're telling the narrative, and then they're commenting on it. But the story that they're telling, as I said, goes back beyond when Moses was first writing you know, during his time at the nation of Israel It starts in page one with God's creation, and I'm not going to give a date for that. Maybe Scott will next week, but (laughs) I'm guessing probably not. But that's well before Moses. We see the story of creation. We see God creating things in a good environment. Everything is perfect and good, and we see the crown of his creation. The crown of God's creation is mankind in Adam and Eve. They reflect his image. They reflect his character. But Adam and Eve disobey God and the whole world falls. The world is marred. Sin and death enter in as a consequence. That's why it's such great news that Genesis 3.15 gives the promise of a redeemer. There's the promise that someone from the seed of the woman, a descendant of Adam and Eve, will crush the head of Satan, the serpent. That ultimately a person is coming that is going to right the wrongs that Adam and Eve brought into the world. Now, the rest of the narrative in Genesis and the rest of Scripture shows that things are going from bad to worse. But as they do go from bad to worse, God reveals more of his plan of redemption. In Genesis 12, he comes to a man named Abraham and says that he will be the first of a great nation, that he will be the father, the patriarch. So the story narrows in on one man, And then it later will narrow to his family. As his family grows, we see that the story is revolving around this nation of Israel. Now, the story tells the story of... The story tells the story. The story traces Abraham going down to Egypt, seeing his family dwell there for roughly 400 years, and then emerging once again as a great nation to the land that God had promised Abraham many years before the the whole story is fraught with providential twists, things that we wouldn't see coming, but really intentionally shaping of the story by God, who has control over history and over the whole story. So we see Moses leading the nation of Israel into Egypt. God gives Israel the law. He makes them his special people. And he gives them the land he has promised to Abraham and to his descendants. And in this land, Israel is supposed to display God's character. They're supposed to imitate him. They're supposed to reflect his glory and be distinct from the nations around them. But instead of displaying God's character, there is moral and political confusion, and the people rebel and disobey against God. There's, we, we see all this through the period of the judges, where there are times of obedience, times of disobedience. We see this in the times of the kings, where there are several really good kings in David and Solomon Where, in general, the people are following after God, they are prospering politically, economically, things are really good. Solomon builds a temple for God's presence, and we think, okay, maybe David or Solomon is this redeemer that God has promised. But even as we see all these good things happening in the nation of Israel, we also see sin in David's life, in Solomon's life. We see disobedience. As we look through the generations after David and Solomon, we see much more disobedience than obedience. And ultimately, the kingdom of Israel divides into two. Israel, the northern kingdom, descends so far into sin that they are wiped out by Assyria. And then, not long after, the nation of Judah is taken into captivity to Babylon. So we see the story that's gone from one man, Abraham, the promise of his many descendants. They've been... How long would that be? A thousand years, maybe? Several centuries, at least, of God taking this nation, protecting them, and yet they've come to the point of so much rebellion that now they're in exile, that they can barely be considered a country anymore. God's providence still shows up in this part of the story, however, because the nation of Judah comes back from Babylon, and the Old Testament ends with them dwelling in their land, though they're crippled they're still waiting for someone to come and save them. And so everything that we'll read in the Old Testament relates to this story in some way. As I said, some books are telling the story, giving us information about what happened. Some books are giving commentary on the story, telling us how we should understand and think about the things that have happened. And it'll be important for us to as we go in each week to understand okay, where when was this book written? Um, what Topics is it addressing in the story so that um, we can read it correctly and not, not try to interpret a prophetic book that was written in 600 BC in light of events that happened, you know, a thousand years before it. We want to understand where it fits in the story. So one aspect is the history but we also need to understand the genres of the Old Testament. And I've mentioned that briefly, um, that there are different genres, different types of books that fill up the Old Testament. But I just want to go over those uh, briefly of what those genres are. One of those that I mentioned is history, that a lot of the books in the Old Testament tell the story, the narrative of the nation of Israel, or before Israel of Abraham, or some of the patriarchs from Adam to Abraham. We see history in Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Le- Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and several other books contain history. Sometimes there's even different genres within a book. Like Isaiah tells, it goes from prophecy to the king to story about the king to prophecy again to more narrative. So we see history and narrative in many of the books. And as I said, it's a true history, but it's not merely a history book, where we want to read all of this as true events that really did happen, but we don't want to just look at them as facts. We want, them to, we want to see how the author is shaping the story, what God is telling us about the story, what the author is drawing our attention to. Now, within the category of history, there's even some books that do different things with it. Like the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, tell the story from creation to the cusp of Israel entering into their promised land. But as they're telling that history, we also see the giving of the law, where God is very concerned with how the people should live in the nation of Israel and how they should sacrifice, how should, they should set up the temple. Um, we also see in... From Joshua to Esther, it traces the general storyline, but also has little stories like Ruth or Esther to demonstrate how um, things were at that time in history. So we have history from Genesis to Esther, roughly, and that's several thousand years of history. But in addition to telling the story of the world, the Old Testament also comments on it, like I said. And one of the genres that comments on it is known as the writings, which is a really general word. But that encapsulates both uh, poetic writings, it encapsulates uh, wisdom literature, encapsulates songs. So this would be like Job, Ecclesiastes, uh, Proverbs, Psalms, Song of Solomon. And these are reflections on the way the world works. We see in Proverbs there's general wisdom about how to live a good life. But in Job and Ecclesiastes, we kind of see it from the flip side of how to understand the world when it goes wrong, how to trust God when things don't seem to be the way that they should. We see Psalms, which addresses our emotions from the highest heights to the deepest depths and how to praise God and understand the world in those times of emotion. And we see Song of Solomon, which tells us about even the most intimate relationship of a husband and a wife. And so we have these books that tell us how to think in light of the bigger story. And we also have the prophets, which do a similar type of thing. Some of the prophets are, you know, we may think of them as more of apocalyptic, or they're these weird visions of the future. we see how are they going to be fulfilled. There is some apocalyptic prophecy in these writings, but the majority of the prophets were godly men, faithful men, who were interpreting God's law, reading over the scripture and the revelation that God had provided and interpreting it to the people. They were basically calling the people to live in light of the truth. And so this is another commentary on scripture on how we're supposed to live in the world. We see that both in wisdom literature, in the Psalms, in the prophets, um And so they're just important to read those as to read the story itself. Now as we read through the Old Testament, it's important to understand the genre that we're reading because you would read a dictionary differently than you would read a science book. And you would read a car manual differently than you would read a novel. It's important to understand kind of what you're getting into as you prepare to read a book. And that's the kind of thing that hopefully this class will be able to equip you for. We're not going to be able to explain to you everything that's going to happen in the story, but we will give you an outline or a way to approach the story that should help you get the most out of it that you can Now, the last thing I wanted to mention in our last couple of minutes here is just to dip our toes into a couple of the big themes of the Old Testament. And there's many more here than I could get into, but I want to at least introduce a couple, Wet your appetite um, for some of the big themes to be looking out for as we go through the Old Testament. One of those is the contrast between God's holiness and our sinfulness. This is something that's repeated over and over in the Old Testament. We see it from the very beginning where God is the holy creator and we are the disobedient creation. Throughout the rest of the Bible we see a very big picture of God being built in the Old Testament and we see ourselves in a very helpless light where even if Even at our best, we're still not good enough to achieve God's standard on our own. Alongside God's holiness, however, even as we see God as holy and perfect, we also see his faithfulness. And that's another massive theme in the Old Testament. That again, over these thousands of years dealing with uncountable number of rebellious people, just like us, God remains faithful. He is perfectly holy, and yet again and again he offers forgiveness when it is undeserved. God is not a mean-hearted God who smites anyone down for the smallest disobedience, but he also doesn't overlook disobedience. We see in the law that he cares even about small matters. There's this tension between God being holy and also being loving, and that's another theme to look for. In Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, God describes himself to Moses, and he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So he says, I am a God who is loving, who is merciful, who is faithful. Verse 7, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So throughout the Old Testament, you really pick up on this tension of a God who is loving and a God who is just. And we say, how can this be? How can God be both of these things at the same time? How can this be resolved? It begs this question all throughout the Old Testament, leads to this questioning, God, what are you going to do? And that ultimately leads us to the cross, where God's love and his justice meet. That's how God can be totally loving is through the cross, where he offers forgiveness to anyone who believes in Jesus. But how God can also be perfectly just, where he doesn't ignore sin, but he takes out his wrath on sin in Jesus in our place. And the cross brings up another theme to look for in the Old Testament, and that is the theme of atonement and sacrifice. Atonement speaks to our being ransomed, that we have a price to pay. And it also speaks to our cleansing, that we have the need to be cleansed. At the cross that happens, but you need to understand that from the Old Testament first, where the people offered animal sacrifices to pay the debt of their own sin and to cleanse themselves from their sin that has made them unclean. We need to understand this theme through the Old Testament to understand how it is perfected and made better in the cross, that his sacrifice, his atonement, would last forever, whereas these other atonements, these other sacrifices would be temporary. The last theme to keep your eyes open for is the theme of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. As I mentioned back in Genesis 3.15, where God said to the serpent, he was cursing the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And the he that God is referring to is this seed of the woman, someone descended from Adam and Eve, someone that God was going to send to conquer Satan, to bring people back into relationship with God. And so as you look through the Old Testament, pay attention for the tracing of this offspring. That's why we have genealogies throughout the Old Testament. And and as the Old Testament authors narrow in on certain people, pay attention. Because what they're saying is this person's important for that promise back in Genesis 3.15. And all throughout the Old Testament, we can read about the battles that go on between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent. We see God's hand in preserving this seed to get us to Jesus. We can see that as Joseph is thrown into prison in Egypt. And yet, even in the most extreme circumstances, God preserves his life and even brings him to, to preeminence and power. We see this as Moses flees Pharaoh and leads the nation of Israel out into the promised land. We see this as Israel defeats wicked kings as they begin their conquest, as David is preserved from Saul, and then even in exile, when things look their worst, God preserves his people. And as we trace the theme all the way through, we get to where we were just a month ago, looking at the genealogy in Matthew 1. Where we say, okay, after all this history, after all this lineage and offspring from Adam and Eve, we get to the one, Jesus. And he is the one who will crush the head of the serpent. Although, like it said in Genesis 3.15, it will come at a cost to him. There it said, it will, he will bruise your heel. The serpent will bruise the heel of this Messiah. That happened in the form of Jesus' death. It's only called bruising his heel, not crushing his head, because that death was temporary. Jesus raised from the dead, but it cost him. And so that's one of the major themes to look at as we go through the Old Testament. So like I said, we were out in space today. We can only look very briefly at all the things we would want to. It's like an astronaut pointing out the window and saying, Hey, you see that green over there? That's my house. You you can't get that close. You can at least get a framework for the big picture of how it fits together. So I'm really excited over the next, like I said, I think it'll, it'll take us about six months to get through the Old Testament. And as I've been preparing for this, I've been thinking about something that one of my professors said at college that has just always stuck with me. He was really encouraging us to get into the Word, to study the Bible, to know the Bible. And he said, he held up the Bible and he said, this is our book. This is our book. And he was talking about all the different religions that have their religious texts and They were dedicated and they knew their stuff. And he said, this is our book. This is God's revelation to us. This is God's word to us. It's the least that we can do to know it, to understand what God has said. So as we go throughout the Old Testament, I would encourage you to get into the Bible, to study for your own sake and to understand what God is doing in the world. So I'll go ahead and pray and then we'll be dismissed until 1030. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for giving us the revelation of the Old Testament. pray that you would help us to understand it as we read through, that you would uh, give us perseverance and faithfulness as we uh, take a big chunk of time to do this, and that you would make it rewarding for us as we uh, study, that we would come to know you better, that we would come to understand our world better and ourselves better. It's in your name I pray. Amen.